Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast for a preview of Crystal Palace versus Aston Villa in the Premier League uh, coming up this uh, this weekend. Um, I have to say, every time this fixture comes around, are they not the two most beautifully named clubs you could think of? You know, there's loads of Uniteds. There's loads of, and, and that's the famous phrase, there's loads of Uniteds, there's loads of Albums, there's loads of Rovers, but there's only one Villa. There's also only one Palace. You know, isn't it great that, like, I think it's really, it's it sounds like a really quintessential, proper English football game. Crystal Palace versus Aston Villa. And more teams, I think, should always be a bit more, um, uh, like, like, I think, you know, when teams were making up their mind about what to call themselves, I think teams got very safe calling themselves United and Rovers and whatever else that they would call themselves throughout the years. So uh, that's just a little bit of... That's just my two cents on that one. I don't know whether anyone actually tuned in to, in to hear that, but uh, I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, I hope everyone's doing well. Um, I'm here on my own. Uh, ads popping up? Is it... Uh, sorry, British Mick says, can we do something about these ads popping up? Is that this ad? Evening, everyone? Is that what you're on about? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Um... Uh, yeah, so we're here to chat about a uh, chat about Crystal Palace uh, versus Aston Villa, and we'll take a little look, I suppose, first before we get into this about um, uh, about uh, Crystal Palace's, uh, I suppose, what they've done in the off season. And uh, as we all know, I am going to be looking forward to seeing somebody who I think is a really, really good player. He's moved to. Um, he's moved to Crystal Palace from Lance. A uh, big transfer that they made this offseason was bringing in uh, Czech Degura. Um, I think that is no surprise that anybody would think that I was going to start with that one. Czech Degura, obviously, they brought him in for £20 million pounds, uh, from Lance, 22-year-old defensive midfielder, somebody that I really like the look of, and I think he's going to grow into the Premier League uh, very easily. They've also brought in Chris Richards from Bayern Munich, the kind of uh, the, the defensive player there. So that's definitely something um, that they wanted to do. Uh, they wanted to strengthen up that centre-back area because, realistically, they've lost Czech Kouate, they've lost Martin Kelly, and um, you know the go- the people that they've lost, they have gone some way to really just replacing them. But they've only really brought in those two guys along with Sam Johnson as goalkeeper as well. Um, they've brought him in too. Um, Remy Matthews has come in from or has come back from Saint uh, Saint Johnston. Um, at, after the end of his loan as well, and they brought in the young right winger from Derby, Malcolm Ebiowe, uh, very highly thought of. 
And I think that that's the MO for Crystal Palace at the moment. Fear is doing a very good job of managing the players that he has. And, but at the same time, everybody talks about their transfer philosophy. And um, while it is there and you can see it, bring in young players, bring in players 22, 23, 24 and, and get younger, it would be a big test of uh, Patrick Vieira's managerial abilities to be able to um, bring those players from that those ages, 21, 22, 23, 24 upwards, um, to see if he can bring them through as a group together and get success from them. Um, so Crystal Palace coming, uh, or we're going to Crystal Palace this uh, this weekend, and it is definitely something uh, to uh, th- that I'm looking forward to because Crystal Palace have had a, an awkward start to the season, I think it's fair to say. Starting off with Arsenal and not getting the result that they that they that they wanted against Arsenal. You know, they were resoundingly beaten against Arsenal. And then having Liverpool hot in the hot in the heels of that one. Um uh, Liverpool away. Obviously, I think they got a bit lucky against Liverpool because it was very much a smash and grab from them. You know, they had one haymaker punch, they took it. But uh Liverpool with eleven players in the field would I think have beaten them comprehensively. And that's not to say that they're a bad team, or that's not to say that we're going to steamroll them, yeah, but or anything like that. Don't get me wrong; this is going to be a really tough, uh, tough situation for Aston Villa. But I think Crystal Palace would have liked a better start to the season than to have Arsenal, Liverpool uh, for the first two games. But they're they've come out the other side of those two games with one point, albeit I think fortuitous against Liverpool. And uh, as I said, they will be looking to kickstart their season against us. And I think a lot of teams will look at us as as a team that they like. We're still not out of the woods from having question marks over the heads of every one of our players at the moment, um, and specifically players, managers, tactics, whatever. Everton was a very, very good win, but you're only as good as uh, your your last game is is um, is soon forgotten, you know. And uh, they have to go out and do it against Crystal Palace. And we're going to take a look at Stato Corner in a moment because. Uh, we're going to take a look at it because there's some there's some things in there I think that we can take solace from. Actually, do you know what? Let's go to Stato Corner and let's get that one uh, let's get that one done early, and then we can take a look at what we think the uh, the squads are going to be. So without further ado, everybody, let's look into Stato Corner. <laughs> You just knew I was going to break out the uh, the the jingle again. <laughs> I love that jingle. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Stato Corner for this week. And let's take a little look at some of the great statistics that have been provided by the wonderful ABC Stato. And we'll have a look and we'll see uh, what he uh, has in his bag of tricks for today. So uh, first one is Crystal Palace have only picked up four points in their last five Premier League matches against Aston Villa. They've won one, they've drawn one, they've lost three, with their one win in this run coming in May 2021, a 3-2 win at Selhurst Park that we won't forget. Um, but that and that is encouraging, you know, that Aston or the Crystal Palace and Aston Villa. I, I would have always said Crystal Palace were a bogey team for us, but we seem to be kind of just with these teams that kind of cancel uh, cancel each other out sometimes. But I I would not have expected us to have had as good a um, a record against Crystal Palace over the last five games. So long may that continue and let us keep that going over the course uh, of this season and 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 hopefully do a double over them starting um, with this weekend. Next one is, since their return to the Premier League in 2013, nine of Crystal Palace's 10 league goals against Aston Villa have been scored in the final 20 minutes of games. And that's something that we're going to talk about more, something we're going to get onto when we do talk about the teams and specifically one of the areas that I want to see cleaned up because we had no business conceding the goal that we conceded against Everton. They had no business even coming close to scoring against us, but they did. And it was in the last 10 minutes of the game. And if we want to rocket up this league or if we want to stay in, in any decent position, we need to cut out those late those late goals late at the end of the first half, late at the end of, end of the second half, and also those early goals like, like we conceded against um, against Bournemouth. So those, those mental lapses just have to stop. And we're talking about those for 12 months now. And this game at the weekend is the game to get, the, to, to get that under wraps and to, um, and to stop those mental lapses. Third point here is since the start of the 2019-2020 campaign, Aston Villa striker Danny Ings has scored the first goal in more different Premier League games than any other player. 
I think that's an amazing statistic. I, I, I don't know how relevant it is, but it's class that like Danny Ings just scores the first goal. Um, so for a player, it's it's a good good attribute to, for a player to have, considering he's thirty, considering he played two up top and so on. So that means get like it just goes to show that of all the players in the Premier League, start him, let him score the first goal, let him run himself into the ground, and then take him off and then solidify at the back if needs be. Um, that's uh, that, that's what you could do with Danny Ings, but there's a load of these weird stats with Danny Ings for a boy he has, you know, scored against every team he's ever played for. Uh, when he's moved on from them, he's scored against them and so on. He's got all these these really weird and wonderful statistics. Danny Ings does, um, and uh, as I say, let's hope he scores, uh, first in this game again the weekend because that would be fantastic. Um, Ollie Watkins has assisted both of Aston Villa's Premier League goals this season, as we know, last weekend. That's already matched his assist tally from the whole of last season. And overall, he's been involved in seven goals in his last 10 league starts for Aston Villa, which is four goals, three assists, having a hand in over half of Villa's goals in these games, which is seven out of 13. And this again goes to show whereby the, 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 the symmetry of the two strikers that you gotta find roles for them. Not both of them can't both of them don't need to be the guy that puts the ball in the back of the net. And against Everton, you would have seen what what we spoke about in the post-match, specifically the tactics, the tactical analysis was that Ollie Watkins just ran himself into the ground, did all the donkey work, dragging defenders left, right, and center. And Danny Ings was allowed to stay essential. And I think that suited the two strikers. And it's something that I think against a backline of Gray and Anderson at the weekend. I think that's what we're going to need to do because even if they start that that shielding two of Decore and Jeffrey Schlupp, I think they're going to need to drag those players out out of out of position. And Ali Watkins and spoiler alert, I think Buendia will start there. Although it's not really a spoiler, I think the whole world and its mother thinks that Buendia is going to start there now. Um, I think the two of those guys are going to need to be very active in moving players around the field, making dummy runs, trying to get trying to get down the side of players, making players turn around, getting getting on the back shoulder of players so that they're not quite sure where they are. And uh, specifically, like Jeffrey Schlupp can have great games, and Jeffrey Schlupp can look can look all at see other games. And I think we need to make him look all at sea um, in the, in, if he is playing in that holding midfielder role um, that he's kind of played there recently as well. Um, here we go. Next one then, and the fi- fifth and final one is Aston Villa have won six of their 14 Premier League away games under Steven Gerrard, which is 43%, compared to just five of their 15 home games, which is 33%. Indeed, Gerrard has the best away win rate of any permanent Aston Villa manager in the Premier League. So, obviously, look, it's a smaller sample set, but even at this point in his career, he's a better uh, away win record than uh, than comparable permanent uh, Aston Villa managers in the Premier League. So, um, maybe the pressures of not being at home, maybe the fact that we can counter-attack a small bit better when we go away from home, uh, allow us to have uh, maybe a better mindset, a better mentality, and you know, that to me is, I don't know, it's a bit, bit frivolous because you should be bouncing off the ground when you go home. You shouldn't feel the pressure playing in front of your own fans if that is something that is the case. But let's hope that we can up that and make it 7 out of 15 and bring it to almost uh, 50% win rate away from home under Steven Gerrard at the weekend because uh, I think that this is a pick and toss em for the weekend and I think Aston Villa can most certainly go to Sellers Park and get something out of this game. So uh, another spoiler alert. There's quite a bit of positivity coming here. Albeit it's going to be tempered with obvious areas of concern. And areas where Crystal Palace can get at us as well. So that is. Yeah and that is fantastic. Thank you so much to AVFC Stato. I really appreciate you sending me these statistics. And it helps us in this segment that we call Stato Corner. <laughs> I love the team music. I really do. So, guys, pop in your comments there about what way you think the, the lineup is going to be or what your, your thoughts are at 
uh, on a Thursday afternoon in regards to Villa. Any questions there, I'll get your comments in a moment. As you may see, I'm on my own. I don't have the wonderful Patrick Kelly with me today. Paddy's off son in the back of his in um, in uh, Morocco at the moment. So uh, I'll hold it for it. It's all right, Paddy. You can have a fantastic holiday. But I'd like you guys to get involved with any of your questions and we'll go through them. You can ask questions about anything, really. We'll start off with maybe answering anything on the actual game itself. And then if we want to bleed into any other Aston Villa news, absolutely, we'll, we'll go through that as well. So at the weekend, I think it's going to be very, very pivotal for Aston Villa here that they're going to need to be very compact. I think going to Sellers Park, we don't want to get stuck into another situation where we go to a, a, a good old um, away ground like we did against Bournemouth and get sucked into having to go wide, 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 wide every time. I think for us, we need to stay compact in the early parts of this game. We need to play that diamond in midfield once more, that kind of shallow diamond. Kamara has to, I think Kamara is going to be absolutely pivotal to Aston Villa winning this game at the weekend. I think he's definitely going to win it. Or good, I think he'll be playing, obviously. He was just outstanding. He was sparking at the weekend. But I think he's going to be pivotal because... And it's more so the fact that the just the just the way that Crystal Palace run after a striker. I'd say Edward... Usually he, he can come deep, he can go left, he can go right, and he's a he's a selfless type of striker at the moment. Um, but you've got the likes of the effervescent Eze running in around there. Obviously, Zaha pulls right out to the to the left hand side, and Olise looks like he's gonna be back in the squad again, if not back in the team. And I would imagine that if they had the chance in the morning that they would start that front three of Zaha on the left, Eze through the center, and then Olise on the on the right hand side. And I think that Kamara needs to be really disciplined and hold that center ground. Make sure that we we don't allow players to run off the, the shoulder of Edward and run past our defenders because it's probably... I, I don't know if Callum Chambers starts at the weekend. I don't really care if it's Adam Chamber, Callum, Callum Chambers or Esri Kanza. I, whoever I want in there, I don't even care if it's, if, if it's Chambers and Kanza and there's no Mings. But whoever's in there... We're going to have to expect people running, trying to run and get past our defenders, if that makes sense. We're going to expect them to suck us up the field a small little bit and then break because they're they're extremely skillful in that in that front three, uh, or the the attacking midfield three we call it, and they're extremely disciplined at the back. So they're a real trap. They're like a Venus flytrap in that aspect where they suck you in to try and come forward to get get at them when you know it's a false sense of security to get forward and then they break um with those real skillful players. So we can't have players running past our two center halves, they will destroy us if that happens. Likewise, our full backs are gonna to have to be superbly disciplined. I'm probably gonna get that tattooed before the end of the year. That our full backs have to be disciplined, full backs have to be willing to break every single line speed record to get back if they're caught out, caught out up top. And that's what I mean about us being a bit narrow, the narrower than we should, than we uh, were against Bournemouth because we can't afford, we can't have our fullbacks live on the 18-yard box like they did against Bournemouth because these guys will break and they will catch us cold. And we know that. Uh, we know that from, from um, previous games that we played them. And look, sure, it just happened against Liverpool as well. And if it happened, if can, if it can happen against Liverpool with their fullbacks, it can happen two or three times against us. Because their back line, obviously, you know, Nathaniel Klein has come back there and he's seen, seen a bit of a resurgence um, in his game. Whether he starts right back, I don't know. But their left back, Tariq Mitchell, uh, sometimes I like him, sometimes I don't. My, my jury is still a bit out in Tariq Mitchell. Um He's obviously a good player or whatever, but there's times you can get at him. There's times you can get at him, and there's times that you can, you can you can kind of continually get at him throughout the course of the course of the game. And you know, it's 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 a bit of a pity. Well, I suppose I'm not going to call it a pity, but it's a bit of a it's probably something Aston Villa are going to have to do. And if we had somebody like a Leon Bailey, I'd love to see a Leon Bailey go at him and at him and at him. 10 times a game, just like force feed Leon Bailey to just go at Derek Mitchell. Yeah, Mitchell might come out with six six dispossessions or whatever, and, and Bailey might lose the ball six times. But he's the kind of player that if you continue to go at him, you can break him down. That's the kind of feeling I get from him. Now, he is young, obviously, and he's somebody who's like, I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's he's going to play for England, I would imagine. Uh, he's going to play for England again, should I say. Um, he's played in a couple of friendlies, if I'm not mistaken. But um, 
he's somebody that, that, that gets that plot, gets those plaudits. But I think if you were to continually hammer the hammer with him there, that uh, you can get in behind him, you can get results um, at, uh, going at him specifically. Um, it would be it would be nice to have Leon Bailey, but I just don't think that he, Leon Bailey will be will be started in this game. And I think that we'll go with the same formula of the two up top of Ings and Watkins with Buendia behind them as well. What does everybody else think? Does anybody else think that we're going to go, we're going to maybe change it up, that we'll have more a, a more defensive away formation? Is this a game that Gerard kind of says, hey, let's let's go there hoping for a point, but thinking we can grab all three? Or do you think that Gerard only knows one way of, okay, I'm going to play in this game and I'm going to go with something that ha- with the, something similar to what we had uh, against Everton? And we're going to go up. We're going to attack these guys. Let me know in the comments there. Let me know in the comments. Um, also, in the comments as well, guys, let me know what you think, who you think will play midfield with Kamara and McGinn. Because while that midfield played really, re- really well at the weekend, Ramsey carried the ball better than he has all, all preseason. It was delightful to see. And McGinn, I thought, was actually fantastic. Excuse me. Uh, it's been a, been a long day. Apologies for yawning. But McGinn, I thought, was imperious. He was everywhere in the field. I, I don't know what I was looking at when I was talking directly after the game and I said I, that I could find fault in his game for one or two passes. You have to forgive those. I thought he had a really good game at the weekend. Um, I think it might be a game where Douglas Louise might come in for Ramsey, though. I don't know why. And I think that we're if we're going to play that narrow diamond, I think it might suit us a small bit better. Because I just haven't, like, I just asked you guys the question there. Do you think that Steven Gerrard goes and plays his, plays his way? Or does he go maybe hoping for, or looking for a point and hoping for three? And I just have it in the back of my head that he will go with that to start because he doesn't want to repeat Bournemouth because going down early is very difficult to come back from. And then a fresh Jacob Ramsey coming off the bench later on if we're maybe nil all at that stage, maybe with, 60 minutes gone or whatever. And you bring a fresh Jacob Ramsey, maybe you bring a, bring a Leon Bailey on and you go to one up top and maybe you've got you've got the guy, you've got the team broken down or you've just not broken down, but you've got them worn down from um dogged defense or whatever. And then you unleash these guys. Maybe you bring on a Coutinho at some stage as well. I don't know. That could be something that he could do. But the wonderful thing about this is the fact we can have a discussion about 20 mil, 28 million pound player in Leon Bailey. 17 million pound player, former former most expensive player in the year, and Coutinho, um, and bringing on somebody like a Brazilian international like Douglas Luiz, uh, up and coming England under 21 international like Jacob Ramsey. That's great. It's fantastic to be able to talk about that with the squad. And sometimes when we talk about squad building, and when I, I've seen it on Twitter, the people are kind of questioning, what are we doing building this squad? Or what's the philosophy here? Well, the philosophy here is to bring in good players. And we have really good players because I've just mentioned guys that are well thought of. Yes, they might not be playing up to their, to their ability at the moment, but there's a pathway for them to do it. And what I mean by that is that, there's, that they're, the template now should be drawn up at this stage. And if they can't play to their full ability within this template, then you know, then we can start criticizing them even more. But I think the recruitment is good. I've named really good players there that we've recruited. The Camaras of this world, Leon Bailey's this world, Buendia, Coutinho. Uh, Douglas Luiz was was recruited by uh albeit not by this this uh this um brain trust that we have now under under Johan Lange. Um but he was recruited by the by um by Aston Villa and was has subsequently gone on to play for Brazil and for a time was a mainstay in, in, in their selection, uh, in their selection squads. So there are some really good players in this, in, in this team and we should be proud of, uh, of, 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 I suppose, the, the identification that Aston Villa have had. But we should also be critical of the fact that they aren't playing to the top of their abilities. But to be able to bring them off the bench in this instance here is always a plus point because, uh, you know, I, I still have this real romantic vision of this whole thing clicking and us becoming a very exciting team at some stage this season. But I don't think we're there yet because one swallow doesn't make a summer with uh, with just one game and one win. Right, let's take a little look at some of your comments. Uh, 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 where are we going? As I say, I'm, I'm going to scroll down through these and I'm going to see if I can uh, just get into some of the the team talk first. So British Mick says his team would be Martinez, Dina, Mings, Chambers, Cash, 
Ramsey, Kamara, McGinn, Watkins, Buendia, Ings. I think that that's probably the smart money. If you could back, if you could put a bet on a team going out at the weekend, it would be that team, I would imagine. Um, Connor Walsh says, I've got a horrible feeling that they'll score in the first 10 minutes. That's the story of this Villa side over the last three years. And, and I think that, <laughs> you know what, you're, you're dead right to feel that way. Absolutely 100% dead right to feel that way because like Villa are a team that walk around with a loaded gun in their pocket and end up shooting themselves in the foot. We have, we've done that since New Year's Day 2021. We've done that. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that was the United game when, uh, when Pogba tripped himself and got the penalty. But, you know, we've put ourselves in those silly situations to give away stupid goals, give away stupid situations, put ourselves in situations where VAR has to make a decision, albeit the wrong one in that instance. The the situation with Rodri's goal, remember that one that was offside when it wasn't offside, and then they came out and changed the rules afterwards, even though, yeah, all I think, the, did you get juggling balls for Christmas situation? Yeah, so we've, we you're dead right to feel that way, that we've, you know, that we're just a team with bad karma and bad juju around us, but uh, I think that, Steven Gerrard will approach away games with that mentality. And, you know, away games become must-not-lose games. Um, I think I'm okay with that as long as our home form gets better. Because, as we said there, as we showed there previously with the AVFC stat, stat, our home form ain't that good at the moment. Um, Where are we? Where else are we? Uh, KFWH says, in my opinion, we need to play Leon Bailey as a striker. He's better than Watkins on... The um, evidence of the first two games in the Premier League, I would disagree. But on the evidence of the of the preseason games, I would agree. Uh, he had a better preseason, but I thought Watkins was like if if you play anybody else other than Watkins up front with up front with Ings, were coming away from that game spitting fire and screaming and shouting because I thought Watkins' selfless work up top will probably never be appreciated enough uh, for the work he did up there without getting the ball and. Yeah, he misses. He 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 had a one kind of silly shot when he broke broke into the box, but um, I think Gally Watkins starts regardless. I think he does. Um, Connor Walsh says I think you play Coutinho, Bundia, and Watkins and droppings. Ooh, I think that'd be ballsy. That'd be ballsy. Um, if he did that, uh, but who knows? Um. Who knows? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Who knows? We know. Well, who knows? We don't know, but we will know on Saturday. We will know on Saturday, ten minutes, one hour and ten minutes before the game, when you join us for the team sheet tantrum here on For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. That is when we will know. <laughs> so there's a lovely uh, little advertisement for our team sheet tantrum coming up this weekend, and I will be joining you for that as well. R- wonderful, Rod Humble. Good to see you join us, Rod. Thank you so much. Rod says, Phil, to start for me, with Emmy coming on to change the game again. Hey, it's a formula that, that worked against Everton, and I suppose, is that change of place? Can Coutinho be that change of place player? I think he can. I think he very much so can. If he comes in with a fl- with a with a B up his backside, you know, he could, and there's no reason he shouldn't come on with a B up his backside, you know, because he should feel slighted by the fact that he's been dropped. But then again, um, then again, he can't have any can't have any complaints about it because the simple fact is he just hasn't been like he hasn't been very talismanic for Aston Villa in the first two games of the season. Um, but either thing could happen. I don't. Maybe he starts the two of them, as Connor said previously. And this Nicholas exactly Nicholas Calaviti um, says that Luca Dean is the third most touches in the attacking third, only five behind the leader who is Kevin De Bruyne. We better have defensive cover. Yeah, but I think that that's there's there's also positivity in that statistic as well because um, 
like Bubakar Kamara, having Bubakar Kamara there now gives him a license to go forward like that for Mings to, to go out a small bit wider on the left-hand side and Kamara to slot in when we're in defensive situations or when we're in attacking situations, shall I say, that's why we play that diamond. My biggest problem is when both, both full-backs are miles up the field and it, it means that the, the and if we don't have um, Kamara backing back like this, you just go back and you look at what Harry Kane did to us just dismantled us in his own against Spurs last season. That's because our two fullbacks were a deck chairs up outside the uh, in the in the Spurs half, and uh, he just sat there and he just maneuvered our two centre halves around the place and let Son and um, was it Kulusevski? I don't think it was. Can't remember. Anyway, Son did all the damage. Just let Son run run ragged then for his for his knockdowns. So one can go. I'm okay with that. And Luca Dean obviously has great attacking intent. But if any, if either of the two of them go, uh, Kamara has to be that has to be in that diamond formation and has to come back and be that pivot. And I think that's what he's been brought in for anyway. Because we said it last year. We, if you guys go back and look at some at at a, I think I did a statistical analysis of all the games that Steven Gerrard had taken place in are taking uh, charge of, should I say, and uh, the ones that were big standout games against the Man Cities, the Liverpools and all those, uh, they had Nakamba who was able to move back into that role again. And if somebody can find Marvellous Nakamba, I'm actually thinking of doing up a Where's Wally and putting Nakamba's face in there. And if people can spot him, that's probably the only way we'll be able to find where Marvellous Nakamba is at the moment because he's nowhere to be seen in team sheets or nowhere to be seen in training videos or anything like that. So anybody at the club listening, just let us know Marvellous is okay. Let us know that he's still around the place because I miss that smile. I miss that smile. I miss him. He's and and as I say, while I have been very honest in saying he could be somebody who could be sacrificed and could be sold, um, until he's sold, I still think that he's you know that he he can be in around his team because he's not a bad footballer. I just think that Tim has super, has, has surpassed him, and if we're looking to recoup funds, if we're looking to to free up a uh, um maybe a squad space, I think he could be somebody who could just miss out just by the dart of numbers. And uh, as I say, that's no slight on him or his ability. Um, who else have we? What else have we here? Uh, uh, uh. Alex, this is 100% true. Yeah, I saw the Palace-Liverpool game. Vera will set his lads up much more attacking versus us. And I think we can concede possession to them and try to get the ball back. But Coutinho or Bundio are fast... And get Coutinho or Buendia fast on the break. Absolutely. And I think the fast on the break piece for me is it has to be. We have to attack through the center here as well. We have to attack through the center here. And we, I think throughout the course of the season, we have to continue to uh, at least start our attacks in the center because that's where we're going to get the best out of Watkins. Maybe running across the direction of uh, the direction of play, dragging players, and then us cutting back into the space that he's created from dragging players across across uh, across the face of play. And um, it worked so well against Everton, albeit against a, a back three that wasn't really used to playing with each other. But I still think that we can get the most out of this. Like Anderson has been fantastic this season, Joachim Anderson, and, and Matt Gray has been fantastic. I still think that you can get in around both of them from a from a mobility point of view. Gray obviously more mobile than, than Anderson. We don't want to be pumping balls up in the air to Anderson. So if we can attack through the centre in any way, shape, or form, and can, and maybe even start their attacks, try drag Anderson more than Gray, and then be, maybe taking somebody like a, a Buendia or even a Ramsey storming in there if he does start on that left hand side and ping one in the back of the net. I think it. I, I I said that Luis could start against Jacob start before Jacob Ramsey. That's what I'm talking about. If if um, when I say that, I mean when Stephen Gerrard, if Stephen Gerrard wanted to play for that, let's not lose mentality, and he brings it in here, which I'm okay with doing. I'm going to be really honest. This early in the season, away from home to Crystal Palace, I'm 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 okay with with, with having that mentality early on in, in in the season to accumulate points. But if he goes with Ramsey. I, I think this could be a game where Ramsey pops up with a goal, because I think we do have the we do have the players that can move people around the place, provided that we tack through the centre. And if we do, we know that Ramsey can strike them. So uh, I think feed him. I think feed him in that instance and create spaces, create shooting lanes and opportunities for him if we can. And John Steele agrees. He said Ramsey has to be in there. Last season again, Marshall Zaha really well. Once again, the Zaha Mings. Uh, fights are going to be um, or wars should I say are going to be back on full flow um, and you are 100% correct John uh, McGinn uh, is is one of those players that, that uh, relishes marking somebody who gets easily frustrated like that and uh, I would imagine he'll be given that duty again 
of sticking on on Wilfred Zaha once more. Um, and yeah, Captain McGinn, uh, go at it and have have the game of your life. Why not? Um. Where else are we? Uh, uh, Supermark says if we play a single 10 then maybe bringing on an impact player later on when the opponent's legs are tiring surely MEB is to start and he's ener- to start his energy in defence and attack must be exhausting to play against 100% that's why if we are looking to to um, counter punch early on and absorb pressure and maybe tire them out I think Buendia is the man to do that if we're looking to absorb pressure um, but I suppose uh, it's it's like the thing about Steven Gerrard is you don't know, you don't really, like we have, people say we've got no identity. We've got about three of them and you just don't know which way he's going, which one he's going to pick until about 10 minutes into the game. And that's, uh, that that could be a great thing because if it's keeping us guessing, it's keeping other managers guessing. But at the moment he hasn't really clicked on, clicked with any of them for um, a, a, a tranche of games. We've clicked in singular games. We've clicked in singular singular halves, and that goes back to the whole haven't really played in ninety minutes under Steven Gerrard. And that's why I'm saying that the group of players we have are fantastic. And if they click, whenever it may never happen, but if it does, uh, we could be a really exciting team. And I think that Emmy Buendia, you make a great point there, Supermark, with the fact that he does have great energy in defence and attack. And I think that that's something that Steven Gerrard will have to bow to at the moment. That yes, he's he's small in stature. He's no smaller or no bigger than uh, than than Philippe Coutinho, so that can't really be a reason that you would drop him. But if you do want your center, your your number tens to come back into into the center of midfield more, like we did see Coutinho doing at the weekend, well then it's kind of a no brainer to start Buendia and let Buendia run the legs off himself for sixty minutes, and then bring on Coutinho when people are a bit more tired and see if he can have an influence in the game. Because doing it the opposite way around at the moment leaves us a bit facile for for sixty minutes. And then, as we saw against Everton, we kind of fluffed into life ourselves. So I want to see us fluffing into life from the very start. You know, the Buendia runs around like he's got a point to prove. And then then Coutinho comes on and runs around like a man who's trying to win his place back in the starting eleven. So uh, I think it's time to start that as well myself. Um, John, this is another great point. John's on fire tonight. John Steele on fire. If Watkins finishing never improves and he keeps providing assists and being a nuisance, dragging defenders all over the shop, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy with that up to a point as well. Um, as I say, I still think that, like, like we talk about Watkins finishing never improving, but if Watkins can get ten goals a season every season for Aston Villa, he'll go down as a legend. Like if he stays for another, like he's gotten over ten goals every season that he's played for us in the two seasons he's played. If he plays, if he plays another seven seasons for Aston Villa and gets ten goals a season, he'd be up around around uh, Gabby Bonlahor's, uh record, you know. So yes, he's not a, he's not a twenty goal a season striker, but his effort and his endeavor are great. He's going to have patches where he's not going to score. He's going to have patches where he's going to look like he can't hit the back of a bus, but. He will also have patches where he scores a hat trick against Everton, and or sorry, he scores a hat trick against uh, Liverpool, and he runs uh, Arsenal's defense ragged and uh, scores against them. And you know he does have these th- these great games, um, but more often than not, what you'll see from him is that he will give you one million and ten percent. And if he continues to provide assists, albeit we saw from AVFC Stato that throughout the course of last season he didn't do that much but in his last uh what was it last 10 games let's see if I can bring it back up there again with regards to uh the Ali Watkins statistic so in his last 10 league starts he's had four goals and three assists so he's been involved in seven goals in his last 10 league starts so if that form is there and if it's going to carry through and and he still continues in that vein of form well then he'd be a massive massive cog within the wheel of us uh of, of us gaining points this season 100% um, Camera Baby says Sorry to say this lads But I don't think we get anything from this game Vieira's Palace are tactically superior And we won't really have learned anything from the Everton game Hope I'm wrong Um, I hope you're wrong too Um, Crystal Palace being that tactically superior I think yeah 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 I I, I think we can frustrate frustrate Palace like I can see areas I can see ways in which we can beat them easily uh, when I say beat them easily I can see areas where we can beat 
singular players easily and where we can where we can target players all right but whether we put it all together in the day like I think I think I think when you say Carmen baby I think that you could say they're probably about 19 teams in the league about them being tactically superior to us but if uh if Crystal Palace were this unbelievably all conquering great great tactical team well then they would have finished higher they would have finished much higher in the league than us last season um and yeah, look, it's as as I say, I we could we, we might not get anything from this from this game at the weekend, but uh, it's genuinely one of the games where I can see and where I can see the, where we can break down players. As I say, I think we can go out to Mitchell. I think Nathaniel Klein can always be got it there. They can get down the side of Anderson as long as we don't pump balls into the box. Um, I think that we can we can get in around our two midfielders, specifically if Jeffrey Shub starts there as well. So there are areas there, but the whole winning point that this starts with us being solid at the back and making sure that we don't let the three behind Odson Edward, who I would imagine is going to start up front, direct the traffic for us. If we can curtail even one of those three and then make sure that we can get our counter-attack going, I think there is ways for us to win this game for sure. I think there is ways for us to win this game. For sure. Uh, I'm just going to check something here, guys, if you don't mind, because I heard a statistic today. I'm just trying to search for it on Twitter, and I just wanted to see what it was, if I could find it. Um, Because I don't remember the whole lot of it. Uh, 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 uh. No, I won't be able to find it. I won't be able to find it. I just won't. Um, all right, where else are we going to here? Where is the next one? Um, uh, 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 Prez, yeah, I agree with you. I can't watch this game. With Villa comes high level of nerves. You've earned the right to be nervous about the about games for sure. Absolutely, I think I'll always be nervous watching an Aston Villa game, um, because it could be ridiculous, ridiculously good or ridiculously um, ridiculous. Uh, within the first three minutes, as we saw against Bournemouth, um, so it's all about. Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to um, strong mentality, and 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 I know that Jurgen Klopp called his team the mentality monsters, but you know teams that are strong from that point of view and understand the the ten minutes sub subdivision of games and understand it really well, and everyone everybody buys into it. I think uh, I'm just not sure that Aston Villa have done that yet, or maybe it's something that they don't try or whatever. Take it, take each game ten minutes as, as it comes, and have designated ten minutes where they go kamikaze and uh, and try and attack the other team, but they they've got pre-designed moves or whatever. Um, after soaking up some pressure, I, I don't know what way it goes, but uh, yeah, we do seem to be a bit mentally frail. We have been for. Have been for thirty years as long as I've as long as I've supported Aston Villa. So um, hopefully we begin to turn that around uh, sometime soon. Whether it's under Gerard, whether it's under the next manager, the manager after him, the manager after him. Sometime before I leave this earthly planet, it would be great to turn that around, please. Um. Yes, Rudyard Kipling. Eze is also proof that Natalie's tendon isn't a career ender as he had one just like Diego and is now back playing well. When did he have that injury, Rudyard? Uh When did he have that injury? Um, I was just about to ask, does anyone remember how to spell his first name? But uh, Eze just brings him up, which is fantastic. When did he have that injury? When did he have that injury? When did he have that injury? This is, once again, fantastic. Um... Fantastic uh, insight here for me. Leaving dead, try, trying to leave dead sound while I Google things here to see when he had that injury. Um, was it in May twenty twenty one? May twenty twenty one. Yeah, silence zero four says May twenty twenty one. Well, let's hope. Let us hope that Diego Carlos comes back with the fervor and uh, with great grace that uh, Ebreke Eze has come back with uh, for sure. Does uh, so if I was to ask you guys for no, I won't, I'll leave it till the team sheet tantrum, I'll leave it till the team sheet tantrum to ask you guys there. Um, just a couple of more um statistics about the game there have been under 2.5 goals scored in seven of Crystal Palace's last eight home games. So, um, goal fests don't tend to happen 
specifically at Sellers Park. And I think when we talk about uh, when when uh, who was it there that said that a moment was it Karma Baby? I think when you say that, absolutely, I would have to definitely agree that that Patrick Vieira has had a very 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 good influence on their defensive abilities on Crystal Palace's defensive abilities. Um, last season they conceded how many goals they, they conceded forty six goals. Um, actually, it's very interesting. So their their record last season was 11 wins, 15 draws, 12 losses. They scored 50. They conceded 46. Our record last season was 13 wins, 6 draws, 19 losses. Obviously, they, they knew how to get over the line and, and withdraw as more so than we did. And that's why they finished three points ahead of us last season. We scored 52 and we conceded 54 last season. So... You know that the difference in those eight goals, I don't, I couldn't tell you what the point point differential would be for between us and Crystal Palace last season, but you would have to imagine that's why they finished those three points ahead of us uh, last season as well. So I suppose when you talk about the that they've got the, tactically, they're probably they're uh, by all measure here based on the goals they conceded last season, they're a more stout defense than us. And I think if we can sturdy up our defense and go into these games, as I say, away games and draw them, come out with a one all draw or and not loss, should I say, <laughs> whatever the score is, I don't care if it's 12 all, I don't really care. But if it's uh, as I say, and not loss from these games, then we can start to build on those, build on away draws. We obviously want away wins, but if we can build on away draws and then bring it home and improve our home record, I think that that would be very fruitful for the system for the team. Right, lads, I'm going to... Uh, yeah, good point, good point, John. 105 watching, only five likes. I'm going to stay here all night until I get you all to click on that like button and the thumbs, bu thumbs up button on YouTube, please. Really just helps the algorithm and it uh, it's uh, costing you nothing. So you can uh, you can just click on that thumbs up button. I would uh, really appreciate it. Also, while we're doing some uh, some shameless plugging, just to let you guys know that, um, just to let you guys know that once again, our voicemail service is still up and running, speakpipe.com. We're not affiliated with Speakpipe. Don't get any money for this or anything, so don't worry. I'm not plugging someone else. I just think it's really cool to be able to hear your guys' um voicemails and uh, we do a voicemail show we we will be doing a voicemail show uh, on tuesday um i know we did it on wednesday this week but we we will endeavor to do it every tuesday from now on so you can leave it on speakpike.com for the love of pomegranate pod and as always i just want to plug our mugs a mug plug here for the god pod um whereby you can get a mug if you so wish to um to drink your coffee out of something with our logo on it. Uh, we have a Villa Plus coffee and we also have a Villa Plus tea mug as well there. So if tea is your tipple of choice or your libation, um, then that would be something that you could get as well. As I say, that they're from the wonderful Northern Ireland Mug Company and you can see them there on www.nimugco.co.uk. Um, once again, you know, we're doing a collab with these guys. These guys are... Uh, I'm going to say firm friends of the show after this. They're sound people. And look, I'm even going to say it. If you leave, even if you don't buy any of our mugs, if you're involved with a local sports team um, and you're based in and around the UK area and you want to get mugs for your team made up, these guys are super sound. Give them a shout. They'll give you a price on it. Um, and uh, they'll be as diligent as ever. So I, like, whether you buy one of our mugs, grand, fine. But if you, if you have any business you want to pass Northern Ireland Mug Company's way, give them a shout. They, uh, the guys there, Scott, is uh, is a total legend, and he'll be able to sort you guys out for that one as well. And um, as I say, there's no affiliation there, not sponsored by them or anything like that. They're just some bunch of guys. Um, so I would, uh, if you guys can try any business their way, do, because you won't be disappointed. Um, John says, the voicemail thing is excellent. I left a controversial one that you may not play for next week. Okay. Well, I haven't not played a, a voicemail yet. So you might be, you might uh, win the prize of being the first voicemail that I don't play um, based on what you've just said there. <laughs> so we'll see. I might pre-listen to it just to make sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh yeah. And Mid British Mick says, yes, I keep on forgetting to say this. 90 seconds. There's a 90 second limit on those voicemails. But if you want to leave a voicemail, you can just go back in and, and continue your voicemail on afterwards. They'll come in, in in chronological order and I'll know to be able to play the two of them together then um, to get your, because uh, I know by the timestamps in them 
So if 90 seconds cut you off, just go back in and leave this the second half of your message or the third half or the fourth half or the fifth half of your message. Um so yeah, don't uh don't if you don't want to speak too quickly, don't speak too quickly. Just go back in and leave a second one. Be absolutely fine. Um Dark side, can you buy the mugs in the US yet? Not at the moment. And I and, and I've got to be really honest with you guys, you, you can't just get them in the moment. I'm I'm working on something to see if I can get mugs um maybe sourced in the US for US sale because you're not the first, second, third, fourth, or even tenth person that's reached out looking for a mug in the US. Um so I'm trying to get something set up within the United States to for for mugs or even somewhere close to that. Reason being is with, with like postage in and around uh, Ireland and uh, the UK has gone through the absolute roof at the moment, specifically insured postage. And when you're sending a, a ceramic mug from here to the US or further outside of outside of the EU, they like we we would never send them or, or the Northern Irish or Northern Ireland mug company at the moment have just put a hiatus in that because sending them, insuring them is is like put it this way, you might be paying, you might pay fourteen dollars or whatever for the mug, and then you might end up having to pay like forty quid for uh for for shipping. So it is just just kind of an imbalance at the moment. Um, but hopefully we're hoping number one that things will even themselves out. Um, with regards to to this these crazy hikes, um, for international shipping, insured international shipping at the moment, or the other side of it, um, I'm still endeavouring maybe to try and get something set up with a, a shipping option towards the United States as well. So I do apologise. I do apologise that side, but we, you guys will be the first to know if we set up something for, for US um, delivery. Uh, this isn't something that was an issue before February or March of this year, um, but like everything, since since the troubles in uh, uh, since the war in Ukraine happened, uh, little things like these are the unheralded uh, um, kind of increases and um, yeah as I say um, we will have more on that hopefully soon uh, Gaz asks can you get one in Belfast you can because the Northern Ireland Mug Company is based out of Lurgan they'll probably be able to nearly cycle up to you guys in Belfast at one <laughs> be able to cycle up to, your, to the guys in Belfast for one um, right that's going to do it for me today guys 90, 49 minutes without Paddy that's some going that is some going. 49 minutes on my own, but I couldn't have done it without you guys and your fantastic comments. I will see you all back um, at the very latest. I'll be back here for a team sheet tantrum at uh, 10 minutes to 2 o'clock on Saturday, this Saturday coming, um, the 20th of August. We'll be back with a team sheet tantrum. Put it in your diaries now. I need all your comments and questions and queries because uh, the bowl paddy will still be in Marrakesh. So I will... Uh, I would love you guys to jump, come along for the ride. Um, I may be back again tomorrow, uh, news dependent, um, but I still have a further breakdown on Coletta Card that I want to do, and uh, I think I'll be back maybe tomorrow. So uh, looking at maybe about 10.15, uh, I might go live with a Coletta Car um, piece as well if I get time to put it together. Uh, but as I said, thanks ever so much, everybody, for listening and for, for popping in um, to the live streams. And uh, stay safe, stay healthy. And I think all that's left to say is up the villa. See you on Saturday. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.